Hello and welcome back to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. I am your host Chris and I'm joined by the merry group of people this evening as I as indeed I am most weeks. Uh, hot off the press uh, is Mr Jeremy Smith. Hello Jez. Hello. Just literally walked in the door that's always good. Uh, also the host with the most is Phil. Hello Phil. Hello. And I can't think of anything that rhymes, so I'm just going to say hello, Rich Allen. Hello, Rich. <laughs> hello. <laughs> uh, right, we're um, we've got a bit of a sort of a, a sh- not so much shortened show, but uh, we're focusing on one specific topic uh, on tonight's show overall. More on that in a second. Uh, just very briefly, just going to kick off this uh, this week's show. Um, Everybody knows, of course, I'm sure by now of the uh, events of last weekend, particularly if you're living in, the, in, the, in England. But I'm sure the football community as a whole would uh, certainly back us in saying that we um, send our sincere condolences to those affected by the events in, in Leicester. Um, and, of course, send our best wishes to uh, former Monaco favourite Glenn Hoddle, um, who, of course, was taken ill over the weekend. So just wanted to uh, give our little nod and prayer to to those involved in, in those two incidents over the weekend, first of all. Um, but we are here to obviously talk a bit of French football, so let's get into it. First of all, let's give you the results from last weekend's Liga clashes. The Friday game saw Nîmes take a point at home against St Etienne uh, in a frantic game. Remy Cabela opening scoring for the uh, away side before Aloui equalising in the 74th minute for the home side. Uh, into Saturday's fixtures, we saw Olympic Lyonnais get a 2-1 victory away at Angers, who were helped by uh, no uncertain terms by the red card from Traore. Certainly didn't help their cause before Hasamoa and uh, (coughs) getting the second for Leon before a late Christian Lopez goal made it interesting for a couple of minutes, but Leon got the points. Uh, Omian losing at home to Nantes, who were certainly turning things around. Gabriel Bachelier and who else? Mr. Salah with his second for Nantes before Mathieu Bodmer pulled one back for Omian. It wasn't Um, enough. Gertner... Gertner's behaviour on the Bichilli goal um, is worth seeking out uh, in terms of goalkeeping fuck-ups. I think that was quite a... I haven't haven't seen that yet. I'm going to have to look that up. Um, We uh, we also saw Gangomp draw, so not really ideal. They need to be winning their home games. They certainly didn't this one. Strasbourg getting a late point. Uh, Zoe getting the uh, late equaliser after Nicholas Benazet had put Gangomp in front early on. Uh, Lille continue their um, fantastic season. Four straight wins for them now with Rafael Leao, I believe. Was it his first star? I think it was. I think so. Yeah. Lovely lovely take for the winning goal against uh, Champions League chasing Khan. Ha. Uh, Monaco, uh, Thierry and Reese Monaco, as of course we now have to call them, uh, toiled and, and struggled against Dijon, uh, ending up with a 2 2 draw at uh, the Stade Louis Der. Benjamin Heinrichs with the opener before it was right back to Hoy, Alphonse equalising for Dijon before Abid puts the away side in front, but Camille Glick rescued point for these men. And finally, in the evening game, Toulouse nil, Montpellier 3. Lovely win for Montpellier, who again continue there in. in Extravagantly good season so far, unbeaten in five now against Ekaitan Labour, Andy Delors, his delicious second goal, and uh, a Rene own goal in the last minute, securing the points for Montpellier. On the Sunday, we saw Ren. Uh, sorry, Rich, close your ears. <laughs> lose at home to Ram. Uh, I wish I, I wish I'd closed my eyes as well, Drew. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I think some of your players may have done. Yes, I think they might have. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, an Udine double for Ram, uh, securing a much well, a very well fought win for the away side. I'm beating four now, which I didn't realise until I just looked. I've um, got a feeling they're his first ever goals, certainly in Niga. Uh, they were, yeah. Yes, they were. Ren are notorious as being the most the most charitable of all teams in uh, in France. So, if any player or clubs need a favour, Ren will show. <laughs> so that's always good to hear, or not, as the case may be. Um, speaking of giving up favours, uh, Bordeaux gave Nice another nice favour after their poor uh, defeat at home last week to Marseille. They got back to winning winning ways. Of course they did, because they're away from home. So William Cyprien's goal getting the winner there for the <coughs> side. Uh, and finally, on uh, on Sunday, there was a small game called Le Classique. Uh, more on that in a moment. So uh, just very briefly, the table um, reading now, PSG uh, are top of the table with Lille, Montpellier and Lyon making up the top four. Marseille just outside in fifth with St. Etienne, Strasbourg, Bordeaux, Ram and Nice making up the top ten. Down at the bottom, Gangomp uh, still in all sorts of trouble, as indeed are Monaco, both with seven points only this season, 20th and 19th respectively, with Amiens in the playoff, with Dijon, Nîmes, Caen, Rennes, Nantes, Angers and Toulouse reading up from 17th to 11th. Looking uh, at the form, sorry, just a Yes, yeah, go Gangomp are actually unbeaten in... A while. Five. <laughs> yeah. Um, and are still terrible. Um whereas Monaco have got Just one point in the last five. So the, there's definitely an upward trajectory down there, and it we, remains to be seen if Monaco can um, try to make that happen for them. Because uh, yeah. Dijon have got actually the same, uh, the same record as them, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens down there. It is still kind of clumpy, um, but we've got Nîmes and Dijon... Um, kind of down in 16th and 17th both on 11 points with Con just above them so you know there's a there's some a very very interesting games to to come up uh down the bottom end yeah absolutely and uh you have to say it is a uh, very soon i think it needs to happen very soon if it is going to happen for monaco because it's one of those the longer this form goes without a win the more over the shoulder they're going to be looking until eventually they're just going to be looking over at nobody mm-hmm. so uh, i'm sure they need a result soon um there is one game going on as we speak uh apologies for this uh, phil but unfortunately montpellier uh, we tend to play in the uh, in the French League Cup, Coupe de la Ligue. So it's two 0 to Nantes away from home, as we speak. With and and, and, your... and sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, even further, Montpellier are down to ten men as well. They that are indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, and uh, later tonight, we have got Strasbourg against Lille, which might be a, a decent watch or Lille Strasbourg. Sure, we don't want to put it round. Right, okay. Um, just before we talk Le Classique, which is going to be the main focus of this week's show, we are just going to very. Uh, touch very briefly on the the, uh, the European action from last week. Uh, five French clubs in action. Um, six. six, sorry. Why, why do I, I always leave one out, don't I? Um, it's because Monaco aren't technically French. That's my excuse. Um, we had Bordeaux already out. Well, yeah, there is that. Um, but if this form continues, I think they're all going to be out um, pretty soon because it was a rotten week for French clubs. Um, Monaco won, Bruges won. We're not going to talk about that one particularly because, well, let's be honest, not a lot happened. Um, and it was the best result of the week. And it was, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, um, and also, Monaco were very fortunate to come away with that point. Because weren't they Bruges, just? Bruges missed an 
absolute sitter right at the end. As yeah. I, I, I can't remember the player's name, so apologies there. But header, he was on his own, two yards out, open goal. Harder somehow, to miss. Somehow headed wide. So, yeah. Uh, fortunate point slightly the only thing probably of note to mention from that game was the the goal for Silla um, which uh, I think was certainly his first goal in, in Europe um, the 18 or I think it's probably his first goal for Monaco isn't it in, in terms of the first team in fact no I tell him no, right, he did score last season the other thing to note from that group um, was our, our you know F, a classic FFW favourite in Rafael Guerrero scoring to yes. Dortmund's 4-0 win over Atletico Madrid. So Didn't he come on as a sub as well in that game? He did, yeah. yeah I think he's changed the game, essentially. For, form and injury has kept him out of Dortmund for mm. a while, but really pleased to see him back. And mm. on a night, and I tweeted during the game, um, you know, on a night where PSG's deficiencies in their obvious... <laughs> left-back, yeah. Uh, <laughs> being left-back and, and Guerrero having been linked... Prior to his move to Dortmund with PSG for so long, it's mm. um, yeah, it was a real uh, a real statement. Okay. Possibly the the most interesting thing about that game, from my point of view, was it was the only one without a late goal in it because there were some really important late goals um, elsewhere in all of the matches, eighty yes. fifth minute and after, and a lot of them in in injury time. So, yes. One of those goals came in uh, one of the games we'll look at now, which is PSG Napoli, which was probably the pick of the games in terms of what you would call quality, quote unquote. Uh, Lorenzo Insigne, uh, well, <laughs> quality in terms of a spectacle at least. Um, Lorenzo Insigne putting Napoli in front, a uh, collection of, of minor errors in that goal leading to Napoli going in front. Mario Rui's uh, rather comical own goal from uh, probably the best right back in the world right now is Cross, just my opinion. Uh, that, of course, being Thomas Mounier. Uh, that was 1-1. Dries Mertens putting Napoli back in front before a very late Angel Di Maria goal. Um, and what a goal, by the way. Secured a point for PSG. But in that terms of that group, um, I, I mean, uh, it's, hard to, it's, it's hard to see PSG getting through this group unless they are to beat Liverpool at home. And even then, you're still looking at probably needing another result or two in this group. Um, panic stations, if, if they, I mean, what would this mean if they didn't reach the, uh, the next stage of the Champions League? I mean, that is what it is all about for mm. them. So where, mm. where do they go from here? Well, they have to hope, I think. And it, they really now have to focus on next one, week after next, they've got Napoli away. That's, that's now a must-win game. Mm. I think really they need to be looking at that as a must-win game um, because then you know a few weeks after that they've got Liverpool at home and you know a failure to win that game could prove fatal at that point. Yeah. If a failure to beat Napoli hasn't already done that um, in a couple of weeks' time, but um, they've made they have made heavy weather. It was never going to be an easy group, you know. Liverpool and Napoli are no pushovers. No. Um, and, you know, it, it was a tough group. There's no hiding behind that. But the quality that PSG have and the opportunities to improve on that quality over the summer that they perhaps failed to take, um, it's, it's still arguably pretty criminal that they won't be qualifying from this group. Um, I still, I, I'm still up in the air as to whether it's, it will happen or not. But in terms of if they fail to qualify from this group, um, for the knockout stages, 
I don't think it will be terminal as far as Tuchel goes, but that's a huge, that is obviously a huge blow. Um, and and that's that really puts them back to the drawing board in terms of, and maybe it's the wake-up call that they need. Maybe failure to qualify would mean that they finally go ahead and and make those signings and, and bring in the players that they actually need. Yeah. So in, in a weird, in a weird perverse way, it may turn out to be a long-term blessing in disguise. But yeah, um, I, I said at the start of the season, I thought in a way that there was an element of sort of transition season about PSG this season because they haven't it's their own fault, but they haven't bought in the players they need to buy. It's Tuchel's first season. Um, you know, a couple of the, the sort of more established players are a little bit longer in the tooth. Motta's already sort of retired. Um, and if you just look at the results on paper, you could say, you know, 3-2 late defeat to Liverpool isn't so bad and the battling draw against Napoli will be at home isn't so bad. But what, what has been disgraceful in, in those two matches has been PSG's attitude, I, yeah. I think. And it's not, there's no shame losing to either of those teams, but in the performances themselves, they were. You know they were beatable, and PSG in both of them showed no inclination to defend, no, no real heart or, or motivation, I guess, and, and that's the concern. And I think it's something that we'll, we'll touch on later as a sort of tangent to the to the classic. But that's what I think Tuchel yeah. really, really needs to work on. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. We will uh, we will focus on PSG uh, in a little bit more depth, as you rightly said there. But um, Phil, we also saw Lyon um, s- sort of snatch a draw from the draws of a win, as it were. Three <laughs> three, highly entertaining game with uh, Hoffenheim. Uh, Traore putting them in front for Kramerich double turned the game on its head. Tangi and Dembele grew his reputation ever more with the second to equalise for Depay, but Leon back in front only for Jolinton to uh, to zip home in the 92nd minute for a 3-3 draw. Leon are still pretty well placed in that group though. Yeah, um, but what's, what's gutting is that they would have stayed top if yeah. they held on um, and into injury time. Uh, with Man City, I think, uh, was it 3-0 away at Shakhtar? Yeah. So, you've got Hoffenheim and Shakhtar on two points, Lyon on five, City on six. You've got to feel that the opening loss to Lyon was Man City's first kind of fuck-up, of the, first and last fuck-up of the of the group stage. So, yeah. it's, you know, it's it's going to be tough, but... They've got themselves a decent cushion. They just need to continue to take this seriously, and you know, um, you know, try just try to try to hold on to what they've got to keep going to get into the knockouts rather than dropping down. I think it would take something quite significant for them to drop down, but you never know. Yeah, I'm already it's, worried now. I've just said that. It's a bit of a bun fight, isn't it, between Leon Hoffenheim and. Uh, um, and and Shakhtar, I mean, Man City are overall, you'd think, now in, in the groove to the degree that they'll probably get through. But uh, it's just who, who kind of joins them. Um, but that's uh, another group to, to keep a, a close watch on. Um, Jez, in terms of the, the uh, Europa League, 
Um, probably the, the, the biggie of the three, if you like, was Lazio Marseille. Um, ended 3-1 to the Italians. Uh, Wallace with a completely unmarked header after Rami and Mandonda has had uh, well, gone out to lunch, basically, from a corner. Um, Felipe Casado getting the second. Uh, Well-worked move in fairness. Dimitri Payet um, probably scoring the goal of the night with a, an impeccable free kick before Marusic rivaled it with a cut in from the left and uh, drilled in the third as Marseille went on the hunt for an equaliser. Wasn't to be. Um, again, we're going to touch on Marseille in a bit more depth in a second, but they're in a perilous position in the Europa League at this stage now, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, although it was at home, it was at home, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's disappointing, but there isn't shame in losing to this Lazio team. They are a good team, and frankly, I don't think Marseille are particularly good team at the moment um, on the European stage, but Marseille should have enough about them that it, even if they perform badly against Nazio, they should be doing better against the other teams in the group to, to ensure second place. And it's, it's throwing away two goal leads against Limassol that are going to mm. um, cost them a place in the next round. Yeah. Most likely it will do anyway. It's not, it's not the piece against Nazio. But yeah, they they were confident to be outplayed, and um, I think um, in the Champions League, French teams have by David Wall have got um, one point, an average of one point one one points per game so far, which is awful. In the Europa League, it's zero point four four points per game. Mm. That's, uh, that's yeah. I think that kind of kind of speaks volumes. Um, in in well, yeah, it does speak volumes. And speaking of which, um, Phil, we also saw Bordeaux lose late. Uh, there's a theme developing here. Um, yep. They went front through uh, Jimmy Briand and were comfortable. Was a bit of a stretch, but they were performing quite well before uh, Juba equalised just before half time, and uh, Kajay have got the winner with five minutes to go. Leaving um, them on null point. Indeed, is... yes. Even worse position than Marseille at this stage. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's, I it's, mean, it's, it's not fabulous, is it? But um, They're even, what, Copenhagen above them are four points. So even with one win, they're still not in a position of, they've played three, lost three. So, you know, but, but then given the is this maybe, in a way, the best thing that could happen if there is such a thing? Well, you know, we've seen... You know, when we talked about them playing uh, Montpellier week, kind of week before last, they just seem to be a bit kind of flummoxed at the back and don't have a scorer and they may be changing things up for, for Europe as well, which is obviously going to exacerbate the issue uh, that they've got. So it's not looking particularly um, promising, um, but given where they are, I mean, they're still eighth so yeah it's, I don't, wouldn't see a massive uptick in their effort maybe no. as uh, they concentrate on trying to get into it again next year I don't know it's a bit it just it's seems a bit odd yeah. that, uh, that group because I think you would have said that Zenit and Slavia Prague were going to be very difficult to beat in the top two but Copenhagen I only saw them years ago when they um, caused Lille a lot of problems but you would have expected Bordeaux to be fighting for second, and as it is, they're dead last and looking fairly hopeless, which is, you know, not a good thing for French football in general. No, 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 agreed. Um, and that 
that uh, rounds us off nicely to Ren. Sorry, Rich, mm-hmm. uh, but, but I've saved it for you. Uh, Two-one defeat at home, Dynamo Kiev. That that uh, team from Russia that, that uh, sorry from Kiev that, that never from the Ukraine that is for, that never travel well, um, travelled rather well, <laughs> basically. Um, Ren <laughs> behind uh, Kenziora's goal for Clement Grady equalised, but again late goal uh, with the assist from the brilliantly mentioned, brilliantly named Teshe Teshe uh, for Balav to get the winning goal in the 89th minute um any hope anything positive for ren rich for you uh, nothing particularly positive from that game um as far as the europa league goes at least ren have a win it wasn't great i mean ren never ever play as soon as a team goes down to 10 men ren are always the first to go onto the back foot um, and never seemed to be able to finish teams off. Now, admittedly, Kiev only went down to 10 men fairly, fairly late into the game. But still, there was that impending sense of doom. As soon as you, as soon as you saw the red card showing, you were like, yeah, there's a Kiev winner coming here. Yeah, we know what's coming, um, yeah. And I, one thing I would say is, if you haven't seen it already, uh, check out Kejiora's opening goal for Kiev. Um, I didn't think Ismail Assar would have a rival for goal of the tournament. Um, but right I think Kejiora would be running him close because it is an absolute thunder strike. It yeah. really is. It's one of those where the ball plays across the pitch and the player, Kejiora, isn't even in, ca- in, even, isn't even in the picture. Yeah. All of a sudden he arrives from nowhere and you just think, has he really hit it from there? It's, it's a ridiculous strike. Yeah, um, and it's one that usually ends up in the car park, but it's just yes, one in yeah, forty exactly. or fifty goes in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not great. I mean, Kiev, you know, on paper were the uh, were the toughest team in the group. It's annoying the manner in which Ren lost, but you know they pick themselves up. They they travel to Kiev then um, in a couple of weeks. Um, it, it really comes down to those last two games. You know, Yablonek, who are the you know, the, the arguably the weakest team, Ren travel there, and then they finish at home to Astana. So, you know, you can almost write off that Kiev game in a couple of weeks. Mm. And but Ren then obviously need to make sure that they're focusing on on beating the group minnows and then putting away Astana at home. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think it'd be fair to say that there is work to do um, across all of the, the French teams in Europe, and it certainly didn't do uh, us any favours in terms of the, um, the the sort of the media view of French football, shall we say? So, let's hope for better moving forwards. But we are going to um, say pretty much dedicate. Rich and I did spot a keep on farming. Yes, uh, I saw that as well from, from a Man United fan. Who yeah, I saw that. Which is somewhat ironic, coming from a, a side that you know has been built with billions and yet still struggles past Everton. So, uh, yeah, uh, keep on trucking. I would advise that certain fan. But um, yeah, less said the better. I think it's fair to say. Uh, however, we will we will talk the classique then for pretty much the, well for the remainder of the pod really. Um, and uh, it was a two 0 win for PSG. Um, fair to say, it wasn't a classic. <laughs> See what I did there, um, Phil. I'll start with you. What, what does what does this kind of tell us that we didn't already know? I mean, PSG winning games—that's not a shock, Marseille no. couldn't score for Toffee. But what what do we learn from this? Well, this well, that's the thing because um, 
what I was worried about going into this match was um, Marseille's defence because they had like the second worst save rate in the league before this game. They still have. Anyone want to guess who's worst? <coughs> Rich? <coughs> no, anyway, I won't, I won't be guessing that then. <laughs> right. So, but the thing is, they've got the second best conversion rate um, mm. in terms of on target shots. So this looked like it would at least be you know, exciting. And the fact that when it started, PSG did look a bit kind of out of sorts. They were playing kind of 3-4-3 three, three or something. And um, Marseille basically had the midfield, but they it just felt like, oh, we'll score in a minute. We'll score in a minute. And then they kind of forgot to score in a minute. Um, they had a bit of a scare just before half time, where Strootman had to block on the line. Um, we had, you know, the PSG assistant coach was sent off and it all looked like PSG were finally human, uh, which was very exciting for, you know, us. Uh, but then something very strange happened, which was, I think Tuchel had said that he dropped uh, Mbappe and Rabiot for turning up late to a, uh, to a team talk or something and that yeah. it was necessary. Uh, well, it was necessary up to the point where um, it became necessary to score a goal, which was where basically um, uh, Mbappe came on and scored almost immediately. And that kind of looks to have, to me, kind of weakened Tuchel's position, maybe, which we can talk about. But also at that point, Marseille then were just like, okay, now we have to score. Now we've got to, we're going to panic. Now we're going to get frustrated. They had four yellows in the last ten minutes. It looked like they just kind of they didn't believe they could do it either. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of depressing when you think about it. So it was very much a game that for an hour I thought was really, really interesting. Even though we've got the TV guys going, there's been no shots on target. This is an absolute outrage. <coughs> it was a really interesting um, meeting of two teams that looked level at that point. Mm. And then... You know, Mbappe comes on, he changes the game, and Marseille didn't have anything to come back from that. And I got a message from, I think it was Thomas, saying um, that they thought it was weird that Marseille were just resorting to lumping the ball forward even before they'd brought Mitroglu on. It was like they kind of didn't have, they didn't have, uh, you know, the necessary to, to finish the game. And... It was kind of disappointing. I mean, 2-0 is harsh because obviously the last goal was Dracula's 95th minute issue. But you look at Mandanda has been a great servant for that club, but this might be the time to leave it. Yeah. Um, I mean, he had, to, he had to save that, didn't he? Their, their, their save percentage is just bad. Yeah. Really bad. And as good as Mbappe's movement was, the, the, the strike wasn't clean and it's it's almost like he kicked fresh air above the ball and Mm. i appreciate you know that it's all in a a split second but you could see where mbappe was going to put it It was the only place he could could put it i think Um, just one one thing i'd say is that obviously tuchel may have felt forced to bring mbappe on to do something he'd be well within his rights to ask why the rest of them couldn't get past arguably the second best defense the second worst defense in the league before that when they've got neymar and um, di maria and draxler and verati and whatever Mm. but um yeah it looked like in a sense he had to give in at some point 
to make the game work. The yeah. other thing I noticed was just that the amount of stuff being chucked at Neymar on corners. I, I imagine a lot of OM fans were needing a light and spare change for the Metro on the way home. Yes. I, I, <clears throat> excuse me. I want to, I want to come on to that actually. Um, uh, Rich, I'll pick on you if I may. Um, talk to me about, about the, the that trio, um, the, the Rabiot and Bappe situation and Neymar. Um, what I kind of want to know from you, I mean, we, we, we bit, we've done the Neymar thing, a thousand times so I mean I think you know we all know you know he could do so much better um you know that there there is a player in there obviously but the ego that goes with it um my sort of question or or query to you is is can this PSG side function correctly with with just so much ego and, and so many disjointed elements you know Rabiot is clearly an issue with the contract and Mbappe you know for all his talent has clearly got a bit of a well quite a lot of an ego let's be honest um and Neymar will no doubt the Real Madrid thing will will just go up a notch now given what happened to them at the weekend so I mean what what did you sort of make of their performances overall the treatment that Neymar got I mean he he did he doesn't look a happy player to me either I don't know if you feel the same but he doesn't seem to enjoy uh you know even performing at the moment from what I can see no he's certainly not given the impression of that now he may claim otherwise, and rightfully so. But no, it doesn't. It doesn't. He doesn't strike me as a player that's, you know, still still in his prime. You know, is is uh, you know in this exciting team playing football week in week out, scoring amazing goals. This that it doesn't strike me as a player that's enjoying all that. Um, I don't know what the reason for that is, and we can speculate numerous. Uh, theories behind that but it doesn't strike me that he's he's overly happy at the moment um I actually think yes he had to call upon Mbappe and then later in the game Rabiot came off the bench as well I actually think it was still a very firm positive message from Thomas Tuchel to bench those two Mbappe especially you know it's a case of you know this is this is my team you are going to show respect to me your, your, your teammates to the club. And if you're going to turn up late to a team talk, I think the reason was that they were busy watching El Clasico. Yeah. I think. If you're going to turn up late, then you're going to be punished. Mm. And, you know, whether, whether these players believe it or not, being dropped from Le Classique is as, you know, as big a punishment as it gets, really. But they weren't um, dropped, though, were they? That was the... Well, yeah, they, they were. I mean, he was. they were always going to come off the bench. They weren't... You know, if they weren't going to come off the bench, they wouldn't have been in the squad. Then um, it's not the biggest punishment, is it? I mean, it's... Well, it's, it, well no, it's but... but, but and this, this was... Bear in mind, it's only... It was a message, but it was a message that ended up making Tuchel look arguably... But see, I, no, I, oh, I don't, I, I think, don't so. think so. No, I, I think he's 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 made the message. It wasn't the worst infraction. Let's be honest. It was only it was literally two or three minutes. So it, let's let's bear that in mind okay. as well. That in terms of you know their misdemeanors, it was not as though they completely failed to turn up for a training session or something like that. Or they were involved in a high speed police chase. <laughs> yeah, with they, a they, they, unregistered they, driver. They'd only been a couple of minutes late, so. You know, it would have perhaps been a little harsh to have just scrapped them from the squad, but certainly benching them was a very big statement, I think. And I think this this is a is a 
from a PSG point of view, I think is a step in the right direction because for so long now, it seems that the manager doesn't actually have the say in things and that actually some of the senior players in that team run, run the team. So it, if, you know, Tuchel has now come in and said, you know what, you turn up late, that's fine, but you know, you're going to be punished. And it was, a, it was a punishment. As I say, I think they were, they were always going to come off the bench. Um, certainly Mbappe. I don't think this would have been a game where Mbappe was never going to play any part in it. Um, maybe the circumstances meant that he came on a little earlier than perhaps Tuchel had in mind, but I still think Tuchel was planning on bringing them on. So it's, I, think it's a, I think it's a positive message from Tuchel, certainly from outside looking in. And I hope, therefore, then it spreads the message internally that ultimately Tuchel is in charge. <coughs> And it's it's his rules, and you know he runs that team. So we'll we'll see what what goes from here. But I think in terms of of a message being sent, that's loud and clear. And I think it's it's long overdue. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a huge statement. You know, Emery was given so much stick for being too weak and sort of having players with one ring around him, and Tuchel was shown first of all that he won't necessarily stand for it, and secondly. Possibly it shows that he's got a little bit more backing or um, control given to him by the, the powers that be that are a little bit higher up. Uh, my only slight concern, and also, um, you know, having talked about the lack of motivation from the rest of the team, this might be a big sign, you know, a sort of tool that we can use in the future to say, you know, not only in terms of discipline, but if you don't show the right attitude on the pitch, then you're going to be dropped. My only slight concern is that um, you know, last week or the week before, Neymar was given the week after to go to Barcelona and then go and see his surfer friends on the beach, wherever it was, um, where now. And I'm all for Mbappe or Rabio getting into a sulk because they've been benched for, for the right reason, I think. And by all accounts, Mbappe is all, was quite upset about it at the time, but now acknowledges that it was probably the right thing. Rabio a little bit less so, which will make the contract negotiations a little bit more interesting. What a surprise. But, yeah. but the only thing is, if they turn around and say, well, hang on, you're, you, you know, you're bollocking us for being a couple of minutes late, yet Neymar is, you know, gets to have the week off for no sensible reason, he's not injured or anything like that, just because he feels like it. I do think there's still a couple of different standards in that team, and I, and I think it still could be an issue. But mm-hmm. certainly, uh, Tuchel is um, strong enough to, to bench and back, I think, is a strong signal that you're sending out there. And when you when you sign a player like Neymar, you know what you're getting, don't you? I mean, uh, you know, I think, uh, well, I think I, there are... You know what you're getting in terms of the diving and the pouting and uh, <laughs> selfishness. And, and using like having a bottle opener chucked at his head to do his um, doing up my shoelaces thing. Yeah, I mean, that that I think we can all agree there is no place for. I mean, you know, it, 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 that in all seriousness, that, that could have caused a career-ending, you know, a career-threatening or career-ending injury. I mean, it's mm. that's not acceptable. But um, that said... <laughs> You know he is he is a target. I, I particularly enjoyed um, was it I think it was was it Tovan? Um, I, I think I think it was Tovan um, who just absolutely wiped him out on the touchline at one point. Won the ball it was a perfectly good challenge, um, but just the smirk afterwards, as if to say, yeah, 
that was for you. Um, and, you know, he but, is going to court that attention. It's, but it's, Neymar, Neymar, the issue is always, it's, you know, it's never a question of his ability or anything like that. It's attitude. Yeah. Not just attitude, but if he's allowed to get away with the attitude and if he is indulged more than anyone else, that can cause problems in the changing room. But yeah. It's, it's also the fact that, I, I can't remember if it was on the podcast last week, but I said that someone was, some nouveau PSG fan was really shocked that I suggested that, PSG should now, and you know, it's something they should have done in the first place, but they should now bin Neymar in order to invest in a good defensive midfielder. I mm. still stand by that, and I think it was very, very clear against Napoli. They cannot afford to have two um, pouting strikers not bothering to defend. And that's another reason why I feel a little bit sorry for Cavani, because he's working mm. his ass off a hell of yep. a lot more than his two striking partners. It's yeah. not surprising that he's a little bit less sharp when the ball comes the other end of the pitch because he's had to track back and then uh, sprint forward again. And nobody's passing. Again, yeah, and again, it's fine. It's fine in league out because they're going to be attacking more often than most. So more often than not. So it doesn't matter so much that um, they're not tracking back every time. But against Napoli and against Liverpool, you get found out, and um, you know. The, Burn, burnout, we've, we've criticised a little bit. Mernier um, has been fantastic this year and deserves all the more credit, seeing as you know you can see how much Pavar struggles when he's got no one in front of him helping him out. And mm. you know maybe the, by the way, the, the three-man defence could be um, the way forward. And mm. uh, just quickly, just to give him a mention, I thought Stanley and Sotti. PSG's yeah. best player by far was in soccer. He was quality. Yeah, there was a, there was a, an interesting. Just to go back to the the PSG lack of focus on certain key areas in their squad, there was an interesting tweet which I know Jez agrees with. I completely agree with, and probably quite a few people would agree with that. Um, uh, the journalist Nabil Jellet uh, put out saying. When you look at how good Nsoki has been since he's come into the team, you know, why did they go out and spend 37 million oh, yeah. euros on Keira yeah. Yeah. when for 20, I mean, uh, to quote him here, for 20 to 25, maybe even 30, PSG could have brought in Nzonzi, Axel Witzel or Vidal, mm. which you know, would, have, would have solved that defensive midfield problem in a in a in a heartbeat. So Vidal especially given his playing time Barcelona. I mean that that's surely right for the pickings at the time. Well any 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 of those three, you look at how well Witzel has done since his mm. move back from Russia uh with, with Dortmund. He's been under scrutiny as well. Zonzi, you know, and Zonzi's played so well he's you know he forced himself into the <coughs> squad and then into the World Cup squad and then played, you know, a bit part in that, that run to the final. So there's players there played in the final. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. There's players there that PSG have overlooked in favour of, you know, unnecessary signings. I haven't seen enough from Keira in Germany to say whether he's good or not. It's very I, good. What, yeah. what, what I can say is from what I've seen during his brief spells as PSG is he doesn't look, you know, worth the 37 million and the, the lack of, and, and, you know, the impact that that had in terms of restricting where they could spend money elsewhere. It doesn't look like a wise investment. I'm hoping, and I'm fully expecting to be proved wrong in the long run. But in terms of, you know, fixing the problems they've got, it, it, you know, it, yet again, it seems as though they they are willfully ignoring that. You know, you look at look at um, 
he's not necessarily strictly a defensive midfielder, but aside from Unsoki, I thought the other um, standout player on the pitch was was Kevin Strootman for Marseille. Yeah. He had a terrific game. Um, and, you know, that, that's, that was a case in point. Marseille still have areas they need to improve on, but one of them was a body in midfield. And they went out and they bought in Strootman. And it's taken him a couple of weeks to settle, but that was by far his best performance for Marseille. Mm. Um, so I, I just, just quickly, I still think Gustavo was the best yeah. player on the pitch. And it hasn't changed my mind that he is by miles Marseille's most important player. Yeah. Well, let's, um, let's, let's just quickly sort of round off the, the classic talk then. We have talked about PSG at length. Um, let, let's have a word on, on Marseille. We've, well, we've done... By the way, one thing we haven't mentioned is that Marseille had... Well, I mean, it's, it's hard to say because PSG had stopped, but what looked like a perfectly good goal disallowed. Yeah, that's because true. Marquinhos just ran straight into Streetman and fell over. And it's never, ever a foul, was it? No. No, I agree with that. That about can be yeah, that's very, and there was, very, very there was a it was a, a decent enough looking penalty shout that started the break from which Draxler got the the second yeah. as well. I mean, I don't think we got to see it back that many times. But yeah, I never saw the replay. No, that, it did it did look from from it, first viewing. It, it was a, a it was a decent shout, I mm. think. Um, and so yes, it was. It was kind of frustrating, but also there were some there were some wonderful Adol Rami moments. I just want to um, <laughs> yes. up. in the in the first half. Um, there was a, a Neymar corner that Marseille cleared out and looked to start a swift break. Unfortunately, the ball had fallen to Adol Rami, who attempted to streak up the left, and that he almost did, didn't he? And then didn't quite work. And then later on, when Payet had that wonderful free kick on 60 minutes so yeah just before the goal um in the kind of kerfuffle in the corners after that he then Rami then tried a bicycle kick <laughs> which was brilliant he's actually got himself onto um the xg charts as being him Tovan and Campos had the best chances for OM and it, that was uh, quite wonderful that it was him and his moustache attempting a bicycle kick that yeah. was one of those. I am I am sort of uh, I am hopefully going to get a petition to send um, Squadron Mustafi to Marseille to form arguably the worst centre-half um, partnership in, in, in world football um, but that's uh, for a rainy day. Rich, what, what what's what's your thoughts on on OM? I mean, it, as you said, that there is there are there is there are terrible English. There are players in that side that, that you look at and you say, yeah, recruitment. <coughs> I think Kamara, although Raw has, has got potential, we've mentioned. Yeah, um, you know, I, I like for all his critics, I like Valajamal in terms of a backup striker. Um, but they just every time I watch them. I just look at it and think, I, I don't, there doesn't seem to be any pattern behind their attacks or there doesn't seem to be any structure to their side. And they just look like a squad that's just that three or four players short. And believe me, supporting the team I do, I know all about that. Um, what What's your thoughts on, on them? I mean, what, what do they need to do in order to, to be back up there with PSG, not just in one game, but over a season? Well, I mean, they're, they're so nearly there now. They, re- they really aren't that far off. Um, what they need to do is they need to invest in a well-thought-out, um, proven goal-scorer. Um, you know, Tovan, Paillet, Sanson. They're brilliant creators, 
but there's no one there to finish it off. Mm. Um, so they need to bring they need to bring that in. You know, Jamar hasn't hasn't really worked out. Mitroglou hasn't really worked out. They, they need to bring that in. Um, I still think they need to look at that defense. I still have concerns over that defense. Bunasar has uh, you know has been a valiant effort at right back to the extent that he's on the cusp of the French team. Um, but you know he's he's not a natural right back. He's just doing a very good job of playing there. Um, I, I'm still of the believer that that Rami commits more errors than he does have quality, mm. you know, qual- uh, quality performances. Whoever his partner is, you know, Kamara, very very raw, was completely outdone by Mbappe for the goal. Mm. Um, you know, he's 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 a long term goal. I, you know, he's, I don't necessarily think he's got the quality to be starting for this Marseille team at the moment, but he's definitely should be in that squad. So I do think they need to look at uh, certainly at least one quality centre-back coming in. Um, and then they need, to, like, they, need to, they need to then build on the depth. They just don't have the depth. You know, you look at their starting eleven, and yeah, on paper, it's a pretty decent starting eleven. You then look to their bench and you think, good grief, that's, that's, not, a, that's not a good bench. Um, so they need to then, once they've filled those sort of starting 11 gaps, it's then building out the, the, the squad depth because ultimately that's what, I mean, that's what cost them last season. You know, that lack of squad depth at the, at the key moments towards the end of the season um, when they really should have had probably a top three um, spot sewn up. That lack of depth when key players were suspended or injured or you know, former dropped off they didn't have the players to come in to keep that momentum going meant that they did miss out on a, on a Champions League spot um, on the, uh, last season. So they're nearly there. They really are nearly there. It's not going to take a huge amount, I don't think, to get Marseille to that next stage. Um, but they really, you know, they really, like PSG, they need to identify um, and recruit properly, ultimately. Yeah, there was quite a lot of interesting chat from Marseille fans on Twitter after the match because there, there were a few that sort of said, you know, we, we were robbed and we were hard done by and we, you know, we really sort of matched PSG or whatever. And others are saying, well, you know, you say that, but you still, other Marseille fans are saying, the bottom line is we still barely had a shot mm. on target or barely had a shot. So it was, it was two shots on target versus six from PSG with uh, Marseille putting in twice as many crosses. To be fair, I don't, I don't particularly remember mm. many shots, as many as six shots on target from PSG either. So, I mean, um, I just think that a lot of them were saying, you know, is this, we should be expecting a lot more than this, you know, just um, matching them in, in midfield, but still not even having the ambition to, to mm-hmm. create anything. Um, and I think that, a lot of them were also saying that you know last year what carried them through a, a lot of the time was the, the strong mentality that Garcia instilled in them, and they seem worried that they're not seeing that that same kind of mentality this year. Um, oh, he so, got sent off, didn't he? He got sent to the stands after the um, one of the. Yeah, I have no issues. I mean, I don't know what he said, but I do think sometimes he gets a little overexcited, and it sort of reminds me of. Emery using the plot a little bit in the six-one against Barcelona. Yeah, but if if your if your if your side is already struggling to keep their kind of keep their will and determination together, kind of leaving them on their own is then just 
a final yeah, it, isn't going to help. I understand. Yeah, it, it was, it was, late, it was late in the but, game and it was right after that. Yeah. Uh, um, equal disallowed. Given. So I kind of understand it to a point just like Struman's, Struman's booking. But my, my, my concern with Garcia, well, first of all, there's, as Rich said, there's any failure to sort of build a stronger squad. And I think, I've said it before, I don't rate this Ehor or Zubizarreta at all. And, you know, Errol spends his whole time stagging off Lyon Nice and saying what a great club Marseille are, but he's not doing anything to, to, to help them re-establish themselves as a great club. I'm really unimpressed with him. But for, for Garcia himself, you know, in that sense, he's been dealt, I think, a little bit of a raw hand because he hasn't been given the, the size and quality of squad that he needs. But I do wonder if sometimes he's... He, he creates problems for himself. You keep talking about Germain Mitroglou. Germain is not the kind of player that can play as a striker up front. He's not strong enough. He likes to run into the channels. He can't hold the, can't hold the, hold the ball up. Mitroglou is the opposite. He's very immobile. He's a very good target man to have in the area. As Phil said, they were putting in crosses, but that was before Mitroglou was on. So what's mm. the point? I, I I still maintain, I think they could work really well together. Germain's always worked better in a two. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with him, sort of, you know, if Michoglu kind of plays the, the Giroud role and you've got Germain as a kind of satellite around him or feeding him, I think that could work. You know, is it surely at least worth a try. If they're the only two strikers they've got at the moment, give it a go. You never know. And I don't know if it's because of the way that he wants to use Topa and Payet cutting inside and it's going to cause too much of a, of a traffic jam in the centre of the pitch. Um, I understand if you're on the plate to the strengths of those two, but there's, you know, there's got to be a point at which if you're not scoring enough goals and certainly your attackers are not scoring enough goals, I think they've got three league out goals each this season, considering that's, that's, you know, that's, that's not really enough for uh, but the strikers of one of the supposedly top teams. Um, I, th- I do think it's worth Garcia giving it another yeah. go. I think he's, uh, you know, possibly too tough. It's the usual thing about, you know, do you play to, to, do your players have to fit the system or does the system have to fit the players? But I think Garcia is maybe a little bit too tight to his system and sometimes it could be to Marseille's disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah, I think some some excellent points raised from from all across both both sides. Really, I mean, I say it, it wasn't necessarily a <clears throat> excuse me a classic watch, but it it was sort of interesting in perspectives of looking at where both sides are and and where they are to to progress if they are to progress this season. So, um, yeah, very very interesting, and uh, and, and obviously the return fixture uh, it'll be very even more interesting to see where they are at their respective times when that fixture rolls around uh, next year. Um, okay, well, uh, just before we wrap up this week, we will just uh, give you an insight of what's coming up uh, this weekend. Uh, we've got uh, PSG in action, first of all, actually, as they face Lille, who are in Coupe de la Ligue action away at Strasbourg as we speak. It's the Friday night fixture. Uh, on the Saturday, the early game is Lyon-Bordeaux, which might be worth a watch. Um, and then you've got the 7 o'clock games, which is Cannes hosting Rennes, Dijon hosting Nîmes, uh, nice, Amiens, Ram, and uh, Monaco, Strasbourg, and Toulouse. And then on the Sunday, Nantes Gangomp is the early fixture. St. Etienne Angers is the four o'clock game, and Montpellier hosts Marseille uh, in the late game. Um, any of those that anybody wants to highlight for any particular reasons? 
Well, I'll, I hope to be at Montpellier, Marseille. So uh, I'm hoping that's a good one. Uh, given the whole defensive, offensive rates thing, it might be a little bit cagey and probably throwing it down with rain. But uh, for my um, kind of the one I want to watch with biscuits, though, will actually be Dijon versus Nîmes. Um, both on 11 points, so setting the world on fire, but they both, or Nîmes, are playing very creative um, and kind of attacking football Dijon did last season and hopefully we'll get back to back to that so I think that could be a fun game of course as well as the weekend opener as it were yeah yeah no I uh, I agree with that uh, that's a, a fascination um, Bordeaux Lyon is, is my particular choice anything different gents for yourselves that you might be keeping it, it's got it's got to be PSG Lille um, you know it's the team playing the best football in, in the division um, up against PSG. Uh, <laughs> but there's, there's, there's also the, um, the uh, well, there's the, the Derby du Cidre, as, I, as I've labelled it, or the, uh, the Ferre uh, Derby. Uh, I like that, yeah. Convy Ren. Um, don't, don't watch it. It's going to be an absolutely abysmal game. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I just wanted to Are get the name, the, name, the name checks in, but uh, yeah. no, I, I think I think that you're looking at PSG Lille, the, the weekend opener and the weekend closer. Yeah, thought for the top five playing each other. And and Jez, you'll be naturally putting your feet up and, and watching a Mets game, I'm sure, as they continue to uh, plough their way effortlessly to the league their title. I'm, I'm sure. We that's had a, we had a good weekend because we played for I think about an hour ago way to you yes indeed uh, I was trying not to mention it but yeah the 10 men and we got a draw and then last loss to love and last night Brest threw away to the league Clermont so we actually got out of that quite unscathed and I think our next five are against five of the bottom six or something so Mm. hopefully obviously one of them's messy so it's Mm. a bit of a different game but and uh, both of your teams, Metz and Lorient, are Ligue 2 representatives in the Coupe de la Ligue, uh, which is going on tomorrow, Wednesday. Yes. Uh, Montpellier have just been knocked out 3-0 by Nantes. Goals from Koulibaly, Waris and Salah, of course, while of Montpellier course. were down to two ten men. So, yeah, whatever. Uh, there's <laughs> another cup coming up after Christmas. Metz are playing Anya and, uh, and Petitio today, so... We're basically playing a new gang club, which is very nice of him. Yeah. And, and, and Lorient are playing to lose, so, yes. you know. She's quite a chance. You know, I, think, I think they should play to win. I think they should as well. It could be quite a fun watch. And, and, uh, and currently, the, uh, the traffic wardens of Lille are assaulting my eyes with that kit once again. Oh, God, uh, is it that one? I yes. was going to turn over, but I might yeah. not. Yes, uh, it's quite an open affair, but nil nil after 10 minutes gone. So mm. there we go. We will, um, we'll of course, keep you in touch with the results from the Coupe League in next week's show. Uh, we'll also be across, of course, all those games that we've mentioned previously. Uh, all that and more. I'm sure there'll be many twists and turns over the weekend's action. So do try and join us again this time next week. Um, but for this week, just remains for me to thank my guests. So thank you very much to Jess. Thank you. And thank you to Rich. Thank you very much. And thank you to Phil. Thank you.
we uh, as i say we shall return this time next week uh, keep your eyes on the usual the twitter and the website uh for all your latest news and interesting bits and bobs you can follow us all individually if you like that kind of thing uh maybe don't follow me if you're a fan of wilfred zaha i'll just leave that one there uh but until next... as a brighton fan i'm absolutely with you Yes, yes, he's a diving little cheat. Uh, but that's <laughs> I'll just let that hang. Uh, but until then, and until Zaha joins PSG in a record-breaking seven million pound deal, uh, enjoy your weekend's French football, and we'll speak to you next week.